0: Welcome to this episode of the Driving You Crazy Podcast. I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. This is the podcast where we're talking interesting and exciting transportation stories, exploring trends in traffic, and finding out what bugs you behind the wheel. We should put that, I think, on some kind of a billboard, or maybe even on the side of a bus. What is it yes. cost to put an ad on a billboard nowadays? probably more than it costs to put an ad on the side of a bus. Probably more than the 1750 I have in my pocket right now. <laughs> and since I
1: didn't win Powerball, I I don't have really the disposable cash to cover the billboard. So I'm Joseph Peters. Hi. Also, I saw the link that you just sent out via our work email about the Craigslist apartment that is made entirely out of cardboard boxes. And I want you to know that that cardboard box apartment is worth more than my current apartment, as well as like five car payments for me and my wife. It's actually kind of funny. So this guy puts it. It looks like a, a,
0: a bunch of cardboard boxes all taped together like a box fort yeah Yeah, it's like a
1: box fort that's out on the street that's going for what fourteen hundred dollars for rent they said fourteen ninety five a month and if you have a pet you have to put down a twenty four thousand dollar deposit which seems a little outrageous a little high yeah Yeah, i would think so yeah the housing prices in denver
0: are, are a little bit ridiculous just a little bit uh well here's my favorite story traffic story of the week joseph i read a story the other day where someone in philadelphia Filled a long crack in the road with rainbow sprinkles. When, when the street department was asked about the impromptu maintenance, they refused to be caught up in it, saying appropriate materials are used to do repairs. Ice cream toppings are not one of them. But now the rainbow sprinkler, he was tracked down, and it turns <laughs> out it's a restaurant worker named Dave Pettengill who moonlights as a public artist. So you can see where this is going. So Dave says he has produced multiple pieces based on street flaws. This one he called a Valentine to Philly. It took three pounds, three pounds of rainbow sprinkles to fill the crack. He said there shouldn't be any long-term damage as the sprinkles are expecting to melt the next time it rains. How much... Well, first, how much does three pounds of rainbow
1: sprinkles cost? About $12. And,
0: <laughs> and, uh, how, how- honestly, uh, where do you get three pounds of rainbow sprinkles? You
1: said he works as a chef, right? Yeah. Or in the restaurant industry. So what bothers me the most about this is that he wound up being an artist and not just somebody who was mad about the crack in the road, who didn't have anything else to fill it with, so he grabbed a bunch of rainbow sprinkles. Him trying to be artistic and show off his creative side by filling it with sprinkles is really just a disappointment. I think all of us in Denver would like to take three pounds of rainbow sprinkles to I-70. You know,
0: it, re- you, it reminds me of when my uh, best friend, when I was growing up, me and, and, me and Chip, and, and we were making uh, uh, omelets. And put a bunch of rainbow sprinkles in the omelets. <laughs> Ooh, I'm telling you right now, from experience, they didn't taste good. How, mi- how much of the omelet did you get through? Oh, a couple of bites, and that was it. Okay. And that, yeah, that was that was about it. We thought it was a brilliant idea. We were really proud to show off our rainbow sprinkle omelet. I mean, everybody's made the garbage omelet with everything in the kitchen once in a while, but. Maybe it was our cooking technique, too, of the omelet. Probably the omelet by itself, without the sprinkles, was going to be terrible. And then the sprinkles made it even worse. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, all right, so the movie La La Land, that was a uh, big talk over the last week, right? Because it, uh, well, it almost won the Academy Award for Best Picture. (laughs) Spoiler alert. It features Ryan Gosling's character driving that lovely, restored 1982 Buick uh, Riviera convertible. The only problem with the Jazz Boys vintage car is that it was a financial flop, and it had a terrible engine, and it actually had a history of flunking the federal crash tests. Oh. It was basically a death trap. The Buick Riviera, it was, it was a convertible in 82. It was like a, a luxury novelty for people willing to pay a bunch of money for the basic sedan because they were selling the basic Riviera, but then they cut the top off. Uh, the body was just a regular coupe. Okay, but without the back seats, then they shipped it to this company, American Sunroof Corporation, to cut the top off, install the drop top, and put in a new back seat. Interesting. It, uh, it originally sold for $24,064, and that was back in 82, which works out to be about, if it was sold now, it would be a $60,000 vehicle. And it was a piece of junk. Yeah, really slow. <laughs> uh, we're talking barely doing zero to 60 in 15 seconds. Jason. The, the safety rating was also pretty dubious. The, the the Coupe version flunked the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration crash safety test. Flunked them. So drivers in cars that flunked the agency's toughest test, quote, would probably have been killed or very seriously injured in a 35-mile-an-hour head-on collusion. Now, the funniest anecdote... About the 82 Riviera. I'm glad we're getting to the
1: funny ones as the opposed fu- to the yeah. scary ones.
0: <laughs> this is, it was literally too slow to be a pace car at the 83 Indianapolis 500, but they used one anyway. They actually <laughs> had to soup it up and put a, a, a different engine in there, like soup up the engine so they could use it as a pace car. Okay. Uh, it was originally offered in a uh, 4.1 liter V6 and then the slightly less slow 5 liter V8 with 140 horsepower. Uh-huh. That's it. See, Buicks in those years were powered by some of the worst engines that GM ha- ever made. So the next year's model in 83 came, guess what it is, it came with an 8-track player. Oh. That was the upgrade. Well, that's normal at that period of time, though, right? That's- M- my second car, my 75 Eldorado convertible, also came with a 8-track oh. player. And some 8-tracks when, when we bought it.
1: <laughs> that was an interesting car. All of this sounds terrible. I just want to point out... We both know a little bit about the film production industry. Yeah, there's no way it's a mistake that his that the character's car in that movie was that particular. No, car. that that was no, it was on purpose. Yeah, it was definitely intentional. I don't know if you know this, Breaking Bad, the car that Walter White drove. Was that – Nat? Uh, Do you ever watch Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so that, that SUV that Walter White drove, they don't make it in that color. They had to specifically order it in that color to dis- – Wasn't that the
0: Pontiac uh, Pontiac something? It was the uh, Aztec or – Yeah, it's the Aztec. Is that what it was? It's, uh,
1: it's the Aztec, and they don't make it in tan, but they wanted to re- it to reflect how boring his life was. So they got the most generic car possible and the ugliest car possible. But wasn't possible. that the
0: one or, or something similar that had the camping thing in the back? So you open up the back. Maybe it was the Aztec where you open it up, and then it became – a a tent and then you could sl- you're supposed to be able to sleep in the back of it that sounds plausible i don't know if that was but going back to your other point yeah. about the 82 riviera in the movie La La Land because uh What's her head's character, um yes, Emma, Stone. Emma Stone's character was driving that Prius. And that obviously is on purpose the way she was and in Lo- in Los Angeles and it was very right. it was a very her LA car.
1: It's it's amazing how much stock goes into all the details in those movies, especially at that level when you're talking about Oscar level films that maybe should have won. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought this story was interesting. Uh,
0: so there was a couple of transportation bills making their way throughout the country, right? Uh-huh. Well, in Minnesota, a lawmaker is proposing new legislation that would increase the penalties for protesting on freeways. The new bill would uh, would make the, uh, the f- offense a gross misdemeanor carrying fines up to $3,000 and one year in jail right now in Minnesota – if you protest on a freeway, uh, mis- it's a misdemeanor carrying a fine of $1,000, 90 days in jail. And that was from those protests that they had a while back in Minnesota that shut down the freeways. I, I, I kind of think the, the fine should be $50,000 and five years in jail. Okay. Uh, so, and then we have a couple of transportation bills here moving through the Colorado legislature. One would make the HOV lanes go back to two people in the car instead of having three because remember it changed at the beginning of the year. Right. So some folks over there are miffed and they want to have it go back to two. Do they even have the
1: authority to do that or would that just be like I don't a know. strong encouragement type it thing? It might
0: be, but then again, they might have, it might have legs. So okay. we'll see because it was built in the contract – with CDOT, right. that Plenary Roads gets to change it from 2 to 3, and not because... Um, they didn't hit
1: their benchmarks, right? They didn't hit their benchmarks, but they said, eh, the hell with the benchmarks. We're going right. to do it anyway. Uh, there's also another bill that would eliminate the state tax credit when buying an electric
0: vehicle. That one actually helped me when I bought my Volt, helped me to the tune of $4,000. Right. Um, Because you actually get a tax credit, tax money back when you're buying an electric vehicle. For the federal government, I got back $7,500 as a tax credit. And that's not a deduction. That, so it's not lowering your taxable income. You're actually getting that money
1: back, and then I got another 4000 or so from the state. It's a lot like solar energy right now, right, where people got into solar because they were getting the subsidies. And right. That, and once those subsidies go away, you really start to get a clearer look at how viable that technology actually is. We're about to see some of that with electric car technology if this stuff actually gets passed.
0: And, it, yeah, you know what? And they will not sell any more electric vehicles. I'm telling you this. I would not have bought my vehicle without those tax credits because the car... car... Car costs just too much money. And it's not a
1: viable business in that
0: case. It was a $36,000 car, but then when you reduce it by $11,000 that you're getting back, well, okay, I'll go buy a
1: $25,000 car that gets 45 to 50 miles a gallon. Sidebar, that's an insane tax credit. The fact that that was ever passed in the first place is kind of ridiculous, right? It is,
0: that, and that's why I went and got it. Yeah. Um, and then there's another bill that would increase the fine for texting and driving. That
1: just went through another round of the—I uh, think it's on the House side. They're they're moving right along. They're on track to be at that one passed because it doesn't sound like there's anybody who's going to step up to really say anything no. against and, it. And I think they, they originally wanted a $500 fine— up
0: from the 50 but i think it's now at 300 that's correct 300
1: for the first offense of getting
0: caught texting while driving people love their phones honestly they can't stop using them when they're driving that's no amount of fist shaking or age shaming or fine setting unless maybe it's a million dollars it seems to be working to fix the problem right you're right well now i'm reading that some people are suggesting that the only way to stop distracted driving is by creating an engineering solution So, Charles Clower, this guy who studies driver distraction and fatigue at Virginia Tech Transportation Institute, he says, "quote The solution here is probably technology and designing ways to use technology so that drivers can keep their eyes on the forward roadway." So, in other words, he's saying make the car more phone friendly. So you don't have to look down to see what's on it because your car will tell you what's already on your phone. So let's say you wanted to see that text or you wanted to see your Facebook feed, whatever the case may be, that your, your car would either read it to you, show it to you on maybe a forward screen, that sort of thing. So make the car more phone
1: friendly. So I, I'm just trying to envision what this would look like. So theoretically, the, you're driving. And a panel pops up, like, where your navigation system would be. Like, it just pops up in the glass, and it shows your Facebook feed, and a little voice starts reading off everybody's news updates while it scrolls through for you. And, you know, or,
0: like this, there's this little box that you can buy. I think it was a Kickstarter deal. You put it right there in front of your steering wheel, and what it does is projects out the information, so it's like a virtual... Screen that is floating in front of the car, so you can see uh, the speed, and you can see your radio, and you can see your text or whatever the case may be. So maybe that kind of technology is also what he's thinking in the future.
1: I'm, you know, this goes without saying, but nobody needs to be checking their Facebook feed while they're behind the wheel. Of course, nobody does, but they do
0: it anyway. So what he's saying is, because people are doing it anyway, we're not going to, we can't stop these people from doing it. So maybe let's figure
1: out a new way to deal with the problem instead of instead of Guilt shaming these people to stop. Well, I mean, but there's an alternative, right? I mean, on on uh, trucks, you have governors, right? That prevent yeah. you from going above a certain speed limit. So why couldn't you have a scrambler in there too that prevents you from getting any sort of data or wireless reception while you're well, inside? Well, there the are car. Th-
0: actually on my phone there is a, a a feature where it knows when I'm driving mm-hmm. and it has a little and so you can set put settings in there, but you have to physically put them on there because there's already m- many phones with that driving mode or it might block incoming calls, block text, and all that sort of thing. Right. You can buy those anti-distraction apps. You can already get them on your phone. Uh, you have the hands-free, the voice activation, texting, navigation, all that kind of stuff that m- reduces the risk of a crash or and being distracted. But, but they're not perfect. And, and really, any technology that forces your eyes to slide from the road to your phone even for just a moment, increases the risk of an an incident. Right. But he says the challenge now for the product designers and the policymakers is to figure out how to allow people to use that technology, because they're going to use it no matter what, without killing themselves. He says if they must, they simply must. It's better to do it in a way to keep
1: their eyes on the road. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a scary moment when scientists are all of a sudden saying, well, we can't stop people from looking at their phones. Yeah, you can. Or at least you could. See, the problem with driving is that it's really a it's a complex activity.
0: And scientists say that our little brains can only handle a a finite cognitive load before we get overloaded. The question is, what is an acceptable level of distraction, if at all? So, I, I was reading this. Some researchers suggest that distraction levels while driving fluctuate with age and task. Okay. This was interesting. A recent study finds those between 16 and 20 are likelier than other age groups to get in trouble while fiddling with the radio. But, drivers between 21 and 29 are the likeliest to be involved in crashes when they're reaching for an object inside the vehicle or while playing with an in-vehicle device like a built-in navigation system. Okay, Texting is difficult for teens, young adults, and senior drivers, but middle-aged drivers seem to be somehow better at texting while they're driving. Of course, the standing question is why these different age groups have difficulties with different tasks and distractions in the car than others. So they also suggest that road designers, and this is what it might come down to, instead of fixing the car, you fix the roads. So you have road designers and traffic engineers that help reduce distracted driving by designing roads in certain ways, like making streets narrow, lining them with trees, you you actually make the drivers uneasy, they feel uneasy when they're driving down some streets, and that makes you less likely to engage in a risky activity like texting because if you're driving down a narrow street with with parked cars on both sides you're more apt to pay attention to what you're doing rather than you're zooming down what you think is just a wide open interstate at 60 miles an hour where you're kind of cruising along.
1: It's very interesting the way that they design roads like that. It's the same reason why you see more people getting fascinated with roundabouts right now and yep. things of that nature is that anything that's more complicated makes drivers pay more attention in theory because it's more complicated.
0: Yep. And so we'll see if that, if it's really about now changing the roads, changing the cars, Because, uh, obviously, people will just keep
1: on texting and driving and driving and texting and and doing what they do. People think they're a lot better at multitasking than they actually are. I think we've both seen research that indicates that. And for me, when I was driving on a regular basis, that was one of the biggest takeaways for me is, like, I should probably focus on the road. We don't need to hold a conversation right now.
0: Yeah, and, you know, there's times where I have, in the past, I have one of those mounts for my phone in the car. And then I have it hooked up to the Bluetooth system where I have a little Bluetooth uh, receiver in the car so you can listen to the audio through the car radio right mm-hmm. and so and because I have one of those sling players hooked up to my TV at home I can actually watch my TV on my phone like I'm like I'm sitting right right there in front of my TV so with my data plan I can watch TV while I'm driving and there's apps you can watch you know videos or whatever you want so I can watch it while I'm driving if I was wanting to watch live TV and there have been some news events and that sort of thing where I've I've done that mostly so I can listen to the audio. I was going to say you treat it more like a radio. I, I do, but I, I can also see it, uh, and so I can, my eyes will glance over and, and watch what's going on the TV at that time as well. Wow. I mean, that's – should I have admitted that? No. Should I go back no. and delete this whole yeah, thing? you should.
1: <laughs> Is
0: that a bad thing?
1: Is this going to be held up in court later? This did not happen. Uh, and this, and, this, and this, Hold on. We need to revisit that one more time. Can police arrest you for that? Does that qualify as a texting and driving law? You're not touching anything.
0: No, but it would be – well, would it be – I guess obviously it's distracting.
1: Is it, though? Is it any more distracting than a radio with pictures? Isn't that what TV is? Yeah. Radio with pictures? Radio with pictures. According to the Federal Highway Administration, we
0: are driving more than ever before. The FHA – get this – says we put on 3.22 trillion miles on the nation's roads last year. Wow. Wow. That's up 2.8% from 2015. A lot of that, I think, is the economy is better. It's the fifth consecutive year of increased miles driven on public roads and highways. It really does say something about the better economy. But according to the Highway Administration, it also underscores their demands, uh, the demands facing America's roads and bridges and call for greater investment in surface transportation infrastructure is what they say. And you just heard President Trump uh, yesterday talk about the, the trillion-dollar infrastructure plan he would like to unleash on on the country
1: funded with taxes and with private funds that'll be something to keep an eye on
0: right uh, i think lower gasoline prices are helping even though we've seen a bit of a rise uh, the cost of a gallon is averaging what about two and a quarter or yep. so nationwide the strength the strengthening economy means really lower unemployment more discretionary income people out and about driving doing things having fun the obvious downside to the whole thing in increased miles driven worsening traffic congestion the, the mapping navigation company, TomTom, Tom, who we use their data for our traffic system, okay. they analyze GPS data from around the country, and they find that traffic congestion was about 3% worse in most cities last year than it was in 2015. So we are getting more congested in cities. Okay. Um, we've seen that here in Denver, obviously, with so many millennials especially moving here. Always the Millennials. Always the, the Millennials. Them, they get the
1: blame. I mean, the real problem in Denver is that you can't fit all the people that need to live in downtown Denver in downtown Denver. And so you've got a lot of people that are making 20- and 30-minute commutes that don't necessarily.
0: And that's why they are building like crazy all those apartments and condos and and things downtown. It really, that area right around uh, Union Station and just a little bit uh, west of there, it's like another mini downtown with so many new high-rises. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Uh, it, but and there's another downside with so many more people driving are more crashes. Uh, they say that the traffic fatalities have increased. Um, we have more uh, fatal crashes at a time when vehicles really m- mechanically are more safe than ever. Right. Uh, and, and I think the experts are saying that probably speed, distractions, and alcohol are the biggest killers for you there.
1: And all that booze, man. It's true. That, that
0: booze. Well, we have booze in town. We have <laughs> other...
1: <laughs> legal substances
0: in town that you can smell when you drive by them i mean you can you can yeah you can blame the pot for the crashes yes we can can we we should really find out just saying <laughs> and you really can sm- i mean honestly there's a pot- spot down on i-25 right by 8th avenue colfax you can it- it's it's strong
1: our photographer was picking me up from the airport my first when i officially got hired here and we went we we're what, what is the highway coming from the airport Pena boulevard i-70 I- 70, d- 70. There's a spot on 70 that just reeks of pot every time you go by it. I wish I, you know exactly where it is. I know you know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I think I feel like if you drove by it, you would know. We we uh, will reexamine this on the next episode. All right. Well, we
0: gotta take uh, take a quick short break here, and you'll listen to some fun comments and reasons to watch our morning news. You can watch it even if you are not in Denver. At Denverchannel.com. We have a live stream where you can watch it every morning. If you're Jason Luber, you can watch it from behind the wheel of your vehicle. You could do that as well. That's exactly right. So coming back, uh, will our kids need driver's license? Hmm. We'll look at that as well as the beverage making a big-time comeback. That and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. Let me tell you, darling. Jason Grenauer, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy Podcast with Jason Luber. Hello, I'm Nicole Brady, and I think everyone should watch Denver 7 in the mornings. We have the most breaking news of any station. Uh, My job is devoted to finding the newest uh, information on breaking news stories all over the world here in Colorado and nationwide. Uh, So we like to keep you updated with new information all morning. It's more than just news, but if you do want the most
1: up-to-date news, plus Uh, Some lightheartedness in the morning uh, to get you out the door. Definitely watch Denver 7. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Who's your
0: favorite person on the show to work with? Oh, it's myself. (laughs) 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 Oh, let's see. Well, one of the advantages is I think we all get along on the show. Um, I mean, I don't really care for the other people on the program. I think they're all kind of... uh...
1: Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. how i marble, all the things that i can't understand
0: welcome back to the driving you crazy podcast hey joseph get ready to start living large living on the edge oh, yeah. a blast from our boozy beverage pass is making a comeback well maybe my beverage pass not yours coors is bringing back zima
1: okay Okay. Tell Zima me
0: more. Zima had a pretty big loyal following back in the day. Hey, you know what? If Crystal Pepsi is worth bringing back for round two, then clearly Zima deserves another shot. What was Zima? Well, I remember it tasting a lot like a bitter Sprite. Okay. But that was it. Was really sweet. It was it was too sweet and bubbly for me. Uh, Pete Kors. This is what Pete Coors said about how the end of Zima happened. We decided to do Zima Gold, which was a huge disaster. The company also made the decision to nix Zima's trademark fluted bottle with a smooth generic one,
1: which killed the brand. Yep, that's what did it. <laughs> <If> you- <laughs> Is it so? My comp would be Smirnoff Ice. Is Zima like Smirnoff Ice? Uh, I suppose. Okay, it's similar to that. It's 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 like a Sprite, a bubbly, sweet. Okay. I mean, when I was a kid, my, my line was always that, you know, you can drink whatever you want if you're cool, and that's why you can get away with drinking Smirnoff Ice. Now I'm an adult, and I'd say, give me a beer. You cannot drink Smirnoff Ice and look cool. It's, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> I wish you had been around when I was 21.
0: If, well, if you, li- if you like Zima, or, or if you, like you, want to go try Zima... I think uh, Coors says you're going to have to move quickly. They say it's only going to be around it for a limited time. I, You know, I, they used to have it at the end of the brewery tour, so maybe they'll bring it back there so you can try it.
1: Interesting. Good excuse have you been to, to the brewery tour? I mean, everybody in my family has been but me. It's a good excuse to get out to the brewery. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's it used to be, and this is back forever ago, when Kenrose was still in Golden, you can get your all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast for like $3 That's um, that, <laughs> before it burned down. Anyway, so uh, at the brewery tour, it used to be the brewery tour was better than it is now because you used to see so many cool things, and it was the one tour that you could go through and actually learn about beer. Like uh-huh. when you went up, like I felt like when you went up to the Budweiser one up by Fort Collins, uh-huh. that they were really into showing you the Beechwood and showing you the Clydesdales. That was pretty much their deal. Interesting. Not okay. the beer. Just take a look at our marketing stuff. This is a, all our advertising, and this is what we did here, and look at the beach wood, <laughs> and look at the look, pretty horses. Check out these clads. But Coors was more, it seemed to me, more into the actual
1: brewing process and the history of it and that sort of thing. Well, I but. think at this point you're better off going to like one of the craft breweries or something like that if you really want to get right. to know something a little bit better. Uh, so there's
0: nothing good about getting stuck on a closed highway, right? No. Especially after a tanker truck full of propane rolls over? Well, that is unless a taco truck opens for business because he is also stuck in the same traffic jam that you are. Yep, that's what happened this week in Seattle as a taco truck owner said that the truck and his three employees, they were, they were driving in this truck and they were stopped on the highway like everybody else, but the collision didn't stop them from opening for the hungry masses. So right there on the interstate, he opens for business. And people are coming up to his taco truck and ordering lunch while they're all st- sitting there on the
1: freeway. This is just a collection of circumstances, right? I mean, he, yes. happened, to cra- he happened to get behind a crash that he knew was going to be there for a while. So there was no danger of, like, firing up the grill and everything. Right. And then after 20 minutes, you got to shut it all down. Yes.
0: It wasn't like that it was just going to open in the next five minutes. I mean, that was a lengthy closure. And so they opened, it
1: was just opportunity meaning ingenuity. Well, that's a heck of an entrepreneur right
0: there, man. Yeah. I'm on the phone with Mark He you, said man. there was a long line of people ordering lunch right there. Uh, so the newest light rail opened this past Friday in Aurora. They call it the R-Line. Uh, and Aurora Sentinel editor Dave Perry, he wrote an editorial piece about the R-Line. I want to read just part of it. So Dave says, oh, sure, the trains are cool and the stops are pretty well planned. But as nice as RTD's light rail trains are, realistically, you pretty much have to drive your car on overburdened metro streets and highways to get to a place to catch a train. From there, you get off the train, catch an Uber or cab or Lyft to your final destination. That's because walking, biking, or catching a bus there is increasingly impractical and dangerous. There are huge areas of the city along concrete or fence canyons where traffic rushes like fierce rapids in a torrential river of cars. There are often places that don't even have sidewalks, let alone safe ones, or ones that are cleared of snow and ice in the winter. I regularly walk to shops and places near the newsroom at South Peoria Street and East Isle. Most every time I am nearly accosted by a driver while crossing that petrifying intersection, which is practically adjacent to two huge public schools. So Aurora Sentinel editor Dave Perry continues, As a pedestrian in Aurora and much of the metro area you are invisible unless you're nearly or actually run over and on a bike just try to ride your bike anywhere on or near Parker Road Peoria Havana Colfax Chambers or Buckley by my office i see a handful of brave souls riding illegally on the sidewalks along Peoria to school or the 9 mile station because any other option means certain death this was my favorite part this is my favorite paragraph of this uh, piece you can walk 20 minutes to catch a bus to the train Wait 20 minutes at the bus stop for a 20-minute bus ride for a 30-minute train ride to walk 15 minutes to a bus stop to wait there for 20 minutes for a 15-minute ride to your final destination. And then do the same thing in reverse to get home? Yeah, right. Mass transit in Denver was created for those without jobs and plenty of time, or it's for those with cars and great jobs strategically placed where you can get to them, but to go from your Aurora home to the store, a movie, or school here and in most
1: other riding cities good luck with that he's right he's exactly right he could not be more right i mean i know i know personally people who take the bus quote unquote the bus from aurora into downtown denver for work and it's not that they're taking one bus. It's that they're picking up one bus, and then they have to catch a connection to a second bus, and then they have to catch a third bus just to get down here. And they're really thrilled that the R-Line is being put in because now they only have to catch the R-Line and make one connection to a bus to get to downtown Denver. That's not feasible. People aren't going to use that. I know. There, you gotta, the only way to make mass
0: transit usable is by making it easy to use. Yep. Make it more convenient than it is for you to get in your car and drive to the same place or a very close place. Right. Or at least make it feel not like a waste of time. Most people use the Broncos ride or the Rockies ride because the parking prices at those de- destinations are astronomical, so you're not going to pay 50 bucks to park over, some people won't, to go park over at uh, Mile High Stadium, right. or pay, like for opening day, 50 bucks over in downtown Denver for Coors Field. It's cheaper for them, and it's easier to, than having to deal with finding a place to park and, and leaving your car at some rando lot uh to to pay a couple of bucks to get on the bus right right and be inconvenienced that way because you're going to be more inconvenienced by trying to find the parking options but if you're just a regular average person and you're trying to get to a train to a bus and you're waiting for all these these buses and trains to intermingle their time and get you to a place i hope you have a lot of time that's why i won't ride the the train out to dia it takes an hour from because i live south Right. It takes an hour on the, from Lincoln Station if I parked there. First of all, I'm technically outside the RTD district now down in Castle Pines. So wow. I would have to pay to park there at Lincoln uh, Station. Mm-hmm. And then I get on the train, and it takes me and my family an hour or so, just under an hour, to get out to 30th and Peoria. And then we have to change trains there to get the A-Line that hopefully is running on time. From that point, out to DIA, which is probably another 20 minutes. So I have to basically plan an hour and a half to go from train
1: to plane. Yep. Okay? And With, and, and with two kids? I mean, that's... I mean, you're not... So you're in a position where you're not really a candidate for something like this, right? No. R- RTD needs more people like me to be stupid and and take the bus more often. And the thing with my personal situation is... I just won't do a lot of things that aren't within a mile where I can walk to them because I don't trust the bus system out here. And I have no interest in waiting 15 minutes at a stop hoping that the bus driver is going to be on time that day. They're routinely late. They routinely don't know what they're doing. They're routinely unsafe in putting their passengers in dangerous situations because the drivers are given no authority and no security. You know, this is actually...
0: Like you said, it really is a drive and park city for the most part. Because the difference between here and the East Coast, places like uh, New York or Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., really Denver's been congested for, uh, at least on the freeways, for let's say 20 years. They've already had downtown congestion for a few years. We've really had this really uh, increase in the building of condos and developments here downtown over the last, let's say, five years, okay? Correct. We are not New York City where you've had a city in place for three hundred and fifty years.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I
0: mean, so you have a, a long head start in Philadelphia, in Boston, in uh, in those in those places along the East Coast, where it makes more sense to have transit. That works better for
1: the dense population that's already in place. You're absolutely right. And one thing I will say, and this is, you know, it, it's an obvious thing, but they're trying to cheat the system to some extent by building these starter apartment complexes at a- every major stop on the R line, on the A line, even on some of the lines here in downtown Denver. If you go to 10th and Osage, you'll see apartments that are built specifically because there's a rail stop there. Yep, it's called transit oriented development. Yep. And they do
0: that in those areas, and you'll see huge developments around those rail areas. Is to try to encourage people to live and work and transit in those same areas along those lines. Right now, not it's going to take some time, and maybe it will be twenty years before we start to see more transit use. But it's not happening right now. Yeah, it's a twenty-year plan. You're absolutely right. Because you know, here in the West, we take pride in open space, and we take pride in controlling our own destiny and driving our own cars and being our own people. It's just a different perspective in the West than it is, I think, on the East Coast. And And I think it will be years and years and years before Denver metro area really
1: uses that transit and embraces the transit the way that... RTD wants them to. This is a bit of a sidebar, but our Denver 7 investigator, Jace Larson, did an excellent piece last night about uh, affordable places to live in Denver, and one of the things that really struck me is the families that are really excited to get these little tiny plots of land on, like, 2nd Street or 1st Street near South Broadway, and... I don't know about you, Jason. I moved out here for the open space that you just described right. and to be close to nature and things like that. And the idea of moving to Denver and getting here and being excited about getting here and then spending a quarter million dollars on a lot that's less than half an acre, it's nauseating. And you're and you're right there in the densely packed community. You
0: can't see the mountains. That's why a lot of people want to live here so they can actually see the mountains. They want to see some open space. So I live – I. I when Jita and I bought our first house – we backed up to some open space and then we had to have some open space after we sold that house and moved to a new one when buying a house i always was telling gina all right we're gonna have to decide you're gonna have to give up some things to get other things so we got the open space but we are closer to a major road so we hear a little bit more of the traffic noise but then again we have the open space right so in colorado that is what it's all
1: about. You want to be close to nature. I mean, I, we saw deer walking behind the house the other day. My wife, where she works at school, I mean, there's deer that walk through the soccer field every single day, like two and three times a week, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. So if
0: you want to be an urbanized person, I, mean, I guess that's that's fine for some, but I don't want to live in New York City. I want yeah. to live here. Amen. So I was reading a blog where a guy would throw threw out this headline: "Why my children won't have a driver's license?" Okay. He says, for millions of people around the world. For much of the 20th century, one of the most important skills they ever learned was how to drive. However, a a societal shift is taking place. Fewer people are earning a driver's license, and technological advances could see those people who are actually legally qualified to drive reduced to a very small minority in the next few years. The, The car has traditionally been seen as a status symbol. But evidence suggests that the younger generations aren't so smitten by the car mystique. He says there are a great deal of research that shows that younger people have fallen out of love with cars and with the downward trend in the number of people taking their driving test. So this, as this trend continues with reports from here and across Europe... That younger people are put off by the cost of owning a car, and socioeconomic factors dictate whether people own a car. So those still living with your parents are likely, less likely to have a license because you just use your parents' car. Right. Or if you live in the downtown area, you're less likely to own a car. So fewer people are actually going to go get their driver's license. Okay. And greater Internet access reduces the the need for travel for work to or to see friends. If you want to go see your friends across the city, you're not going to go drive to see them. You could see them on Facebook. You can see them on uh, uh, your Facebook ch- – not your chat, but your – Yeah, your Skype or whatever. You can see them yeah. on Skype or you see them on phone your friend. What is that Face called? FaceTime. FaceTime. There, there you go. 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 <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> it says technology is making – Somebody owns it, an Android. Yeah. The technology <laughs> is making it easier for non-car owners to do all this stuff. And the ride-hailing services such as Uber and Lyft beat cabs for price and availability – in many urban areas uh, and further technological advancements are going to make it easier for you to work from home to telecommute and you don't need to drive around. And then they have the bike sharing thing. So you could use your bikes too. You don't really need a car to drive in a city hub
1: or really to get across town anymore. I have a lot of problems with this. I think the main one is I think that this author is trying to draw correlation where it doesn't exist. I don't think that the younger generation is excited to not own cars. I don't think they're less excited to be behind the wheel. I, it may be a necessity thing. It may be a money thing. I don't know. I just can't imagine that within the next, like, a that, let's say that this guy is positing that dri- people without driver's license will outnumber people with driver's licenses in 10 years. Do you believe that? Well, with self automated
0: cars, maybe so, because if I, if I don't need to drive the car myself, why do I need to have a driver's license when I can just get in the car and the car drives? It needs the license, not me.
1: I mean, I, in a hypothetical world, that does sound great. I just can't see us getting to a point anytime soon where people are less enamored with being behind the wheel of a car. Uber says that they
0: think that that half of their, their rides that they do in London will be ride-sharing. And so those people aren't going to need... Uh, driver's licenses. Uh, You're going to probably see the same thing in other densely packed cities like on the East Coast or even Los Angeles. So fewer people, if they're not going to need to drive, because like you say, it probably comes down to cost and convenience, that's going to be more of a driver of this than anything else
1: but in new york city i think you'd make the argument that we're already there where people feel like they don't need the license necessarily because they plan to take the subway every every yeah they don't most a lot of people don't own cars because
0: if they have to keep their car somewhere they have to pay an absurd amount of money for a parking space
1: right i guess maybe it's just where i grew up and i know you you kind of grew up in a ruralish area too where it was like you needed the car to get everywhere i can't imagine america turning into a series of new yorks that quickly no i
0: i but look how quickly denver has
1: grown up that's true
0: and so I think what they're trying to do is catch up with the rail system with how fast that Denver is growing and have it in place. Because, like you say, out in the East Coast, it's completely different yep. because of the, the transport infrastructure, the public infrastructure. It's already greatly improved. It's going to be better in the future. They already are using better uses of data to, to help predict when trains and buses are going to be around. Right. So it might make people more apt to use them if they can get it on a more regular basis. You have said even earlier in this podcast that you can't rely always on the buses and the trains to be there reliably at certain times. But if that improved, maybe more people would ride them. You can't
1: even rely on an Uber at this point. I called an Uber last night, and the guy got lost on Spear Boulevard, couldn't figure out where to turn around I <laughs> had to cancel on him. Because Really, because there, there was also a, a talk, and I, I was reading
0: this idea, where instead of having a big bus that holds, let's say, 60 or 70 people, where it's just stopping at certain places along the road, you're actually going to have more smaller buses like the ones you would get from a car rental place to the airport or a smaller uh, rideshare van, if you will, that might hold 10 to 12 people. So you'd have those more frequently because they'd be less expensive. You'd have
1: more of those people going more often to these different destinations. So my frame of reference for this is always lift line. And right now, I mean, the only time that I've ever been able to use that was we were coming out of the bars and we were going to the same apartment complex as somebody else. Right? So that makes sense. That's an obvious use. Okay, we're both going to the same spot. I guess the only place where I can really see that being used is like, if I'm going from here to DIA, well, we can just pick up people and drop them off on the way out there. But is that making my life any easier? Is that making my commute any quicker? So I don't know. That's I don't a lot know of the questions. Yeah. So
0: drive, I mean, driving is going to become a more specialized skill in the years to come because uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a source of income for a lot of folks that have to do these delivery services or drive the Ubers and drive that sort of That's stuff. True. So there's going to have specialized driver's people, and then you're going to have people that don't drive at all. Um, it could be like playing the oboe. I mean, it could be so specialized.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think an even better apt comparison would be like being a restaurant worker or a re- retail worker. It reminds me of the stick shift. I mean, forever, mm-hmm. cars either usually came with a stick
0: shift, and then you would have to pay extra to get automatic transmission, right? But now, all the cars are basically manual transmission I don't or uh, automatic. I don't know if you can get a manual transmission anymore, mm-hmm. um, and it was a skill that I learned when I was a kid. I don't think I'm going to even need to teach that to my to my girls when they get to be driving age in, in what, 8 to 10 years. Well, I mean, I can't
1: drive a stick shift, Jason. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. <laughs> oh, you are. Stick shifts are the way to go. Baby. My dad would hurt me if he heard me say that. Oh. Uh, I love driving a stick ship. That's the because, oh, they
0: it's just, it's more enjoyable, Joseph. Except when you're in stop and go traffic. That's what they tell me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I, now I got to go do an update downstairs. So that puts, I guess, a wrap on today's show. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being a part of the podcast, as always. Thanks for uh, spending your time with us. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber the Traffic Guy. I'm Joseph Peters, the overnight producer. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.